Anyway, so we're going to jump in to the second Samuel. Rumor is you guys have been in that book lately. Is that right? Okay. Okay. We're going to make a big jump tonight to second Samuel chapter 22. Wow. You guys are at like 12 if information was correctly relayed to me. Okay. So you guys were at 12. So we got a, a big gap here. It's actually probably about 20 years or so of time that we're just going to fast forward through tonight. How's that sound? You guys think we'll be able to pull that off real fast? Be able to fast forward through the Bible about 20 years? We got some good stuff we're going to talk about. So uh, 2 Samuel chapter 22 is a poem of thanksgiving. Somebody, who likes poems? You said it depends on the poem? Okay, so tell me what kind of poems you like more than others. Okay, I thought you meant like a type. I was like, I don't know types of poems, so it didn't matter what you said. But he just said, he just said ones that don't involve death. You're not going to like this poem. You're not, you're not going to like, like most of the poems in the Bible either, but that's neither here nor there. Anyway, 2 Samuel chapter 22, hope you can turn there, 51 verses. Can you believe he gave me 51 verses to talk about tonight? And I got to jump over like, how many is that, 10 chapters? This dude is trying to kill me. Is that all I got to do? Thank you very much, I appreciate that. So as you're turning there, look, so what we're going to do is I'm going I'm to try and fast forward through 20 years of King David's life. Y'all know who King David is, right, at this point? Okay, good. I don't have to go back on that. That's great. So you guys know who King David is, right? So last, last you guys saw King David, he was lamenting. Correct me if I'm wrong. If I'm wrong, tell me, okay? But he was uh, lamenting over the fact that uh, he had committed adultery with Bathsheba, right? Okay, I'm not explaining adultery. That's Mike's job, okay? He had, he had committed adultery with Bathsheba, and not only had he committed adultery, but he axed the husband, right? You guys are aware that in that moment they had, that there was a, a baby that was conceived, and then the baby dies. Yeah, the baby dies. So David, and, and understandably so, David goes into mourning. He goes into mourning over his sin. He goes into just, just stress over this baby that was lost, right? And to set the whole scene up, do you guys remember where David was supposed to be at this time? Thank you. You guys listen. That's good, right? He was, he was supposed to be at war, Right? The scripture tells us that at the time when kings were supposed to be at war, what was David doing? Being lazy, right? I, I think it involved Cheetos, beanbag chair, and whatever the popular video game is in 1000 BC. Anyway, whatever it was. So that, so that goes on. And then what we see is... David comes out of this just cloud of despair. He goes before the Lord, right? He confesses his sin. He repents of the fact that he's done wrong against God. Remember that beautiful, that amazing scene where Nathan comes at him? You guys remember that? 
that's awesome. David's like, I'm going to kill that guy. And he's like, no, you don't. That's you. Anyway, right? So he, he comes before the Lord and he repents and he turns his heart back to God. It says as he, as he mourns the baby's death, he, he, he finally just pulls himself together. He comes up out of the, just the depression that he was experiencing. The Bible says he shaves his face. He gets himself cleaned up. And, and the man goes back to work. So he just goes, I'm going to start putting one foot in front of the other again. Like, I'm not going to sit here in this despair any longer. He realized that God had something more for David in his life. Right? So he steps into that. Now, my man David, he passed on some things to his sons, right? And we see a bunch of, what is like a, I, I was trying to figure this out, and I was like, it's probably better if I ask you guys. So what is like the number one drama on like streaming, all that kind of stuff? Like what is like the number one drama? Not that you watch it right now, but like, what are what's like a like on Netflix or whatever? What's like the number one teen drama thing? Like I was gonna say One Tree Hill, and if y'all know what that is, that's like that's like old. Okay, nine zero two one zero, right? You guys watch that? Okay, what? Somebody said something. That's so that's not dramatic. Although when the puppet thing gets, I'm like, that's weird. But we don't have time for that. Help me out. Oh, that one's ridiculous. Yeah, that one's bad. Outer Banks, y'all shouldn't watch that. But anyway, yeah, there's like some, anyway, okay, okay. Like drama. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to just list off some of the things that happened here in this 20 years in between this, this poem when it was finished and David recovering from mourning Bathsheba and the baby. So one of David's son, he defiles his half-sister Tamar and because he's driven by lust, like he's just super in love with his half-sister. And then, and then he hates her like and cast her out does it right this is yeah this is in the bible folks all right so her her brother realizes that he did this and he goes after him but he sends somebody else to go kill him so the other guy kills him like they throw a big party and they kill him and then the king hears about it king david and he's like oh no my son is dead and, and my other son did it so the other son runs out of there because guess what happens for him now like they're coming after him to kill him so he leaves so then David's crying about that too that's what scripture tells us so he's more than the fact that now oh now I've lost two sons instead of just one right so there's this guy you guys heard of Joab yet in, in this okay he had, Mike hasn't talked about Pastor Mike hasn't talked about Joab Joab's the only person that can cross David, like come at him, and David doesn't kill him. Just, it's kind of fun to read about. Anyway, so 
So Joab just basically sets up this whole thing so that Absalom can come back, and he comes back, and David's like, no, but I don't want to see him. And then he goes, okay, yeah, I do want to see him. Why don't you let him come over here? So Absalom comes, and they reunite, and it's like this really beautiful thing in Scripture, and they're all huggy, huggy. Oh, you're my son, and you're my dad, and we're cool. And then Absalom plans a revolt against them. Yeah. So that's how it goes, right? So they plan this revolt. It goes well for Absalom, not so great for David, right? So he leaves. He gets out of there because he knows that all the people are on Absalom's side. The Bible says that he's like the most handsome man ever. Kind of like me. Anyway, so, so, he, so David runs out of there, gets out, and he leaves. But David leaves one of his, uh, one of his counselors there with, with him so that he can, like, advise against the smart thing that Epsilon wants to do. All right, so it's like all this treachery is all wrapped up in this stuff. It's crazy. Like, you guys think your TV shows are good. Read the Bible, okay? So, so he's like, man, we're just going to go chase David. Like, we should go get David right now. He's, he's, not, he's clueless in what he's doing. He's probably sad. He's probably boo-hooing again because that's what David does. Every time something happens now, he gets all boo-hooey and whiny he's like let's go get him and the advisor says hey it's probably not a good idea because david's killed giants and bears and lions and he's killed like thousands and thousands of people i think if you went after him right now he'd probably come at you pretty crazy hardcore right so the guy goes uh, absalom goes ah oh, good call probably shouldn't go do that right so he backs off well the bible says that God was the one who made him not do the other thing, go get him, but to stay there. Then they're able to devise a plan to come back in and take back over the castle. Everybody say, yay, David wins. But not yet, right? So then what happens is Joab, you guys remember Joab? Not doing well, time-wise. Okay, Joab, he's the leader of the army. He's, he's the, right, he's the leader of the army. So David said, do not kill my son. Whatever you do, do not kill my son. And guess what Joab did? Even when another soldier's like, uh, David said, don't kill that guy, right? He told him, said, don't do it. And guess what he did? He killed him. He didn't even care. So they get back in. David's back in power. Everything's going fantastic, except David doesn't let Joab be the leader of the army again. Oh, drama. That's the end of season one, right? So everything's back and fine, but Joab is really ticked off at David. What's going to happen? I, well, keep reading your Bible, right? So then, so then you know, see, what, I don't even know what I'm talking about, but whatever season we're talking about now, right? So what begins to happen is David's back. I got to do a recap in my own mind of what I already talked about. Anyway, David's back. Joab's mad. Oh, there's this dude, Sheba. Everybody say Sheba. Raise your hand if you'll name one of your kids Sheba. Take a picture. All right, Sheba. So there's this guy, Sheba, and he rises up, and he's winning people over to his side to revolt against the king because they don't like the king. Right? They're mad. So David sends the new commander of the army out. You guys see, like, I'm trying to help you out so you understand what's going on here. This is important. 
for 2 Samuel chapter 22. I promise. So David sends a guy out to go kill this dude, Sheba, and Joab shows up all of a sudden. He's like, hey, we're friends. We're friends. We're not, and stabs him straight up. It's crazy. It actually, the Bible says he pulls his beard like he goes to give him a hug and pulls him in by his beard and then stabs him. It's awesome. Anyway, so, so like this is, okay, this is legit. He is like the guy is stabbed and he's like writhing in the road and all the soldiers stop. They won't go any further because they're like, I don't know. I, I guess like you would probably be if you, anyway, so. They see the guy, and they're like, that's disgusting. So they actually had to move him out of the road and cover him with a blanket so that the army would keep going. Another fun. I wasn't planning on going into all this detail, but this is so exciting. So what's that? No. Also, good point. At this point, they keep telling David, don't go out and fight battles anymore. They're not letting him go and fight battles anymore because he's a distraction. Because everybody's gunning for David. So they don't want him to fight anymore. Interesting. Because he's like, what's that? No, you don't want the king to die, bro. That's like a whole thing. We ain't got time for that. But anyway, okay. So they go get Sheba. It's crazy. Some woman betrays him that lives in the city and throws his, like, cuts his head off and throws his head over the, like, can I do all this? I just realized there's middle schoolers in the room. You can read it yourself. So anyway, I'm sure if you're like, your parents walk in, you're like, you're reading the Bible. And they're like, what are you doing? I'm like, reading the Bible. They're like, oh, good. Little heads being chopped off and thrown over walls. <laughs> anyway, so they throw, they, throw the, they throw the head over, and that means Sheba's dead. Everything's good. So Joab comes back to David, and he's like, hey, we took care of that problem. And he's like, I didn't know you were in charge. And Joab goes, I am. And... David's like, cool, I guess, because he doesn't do anything to Joab. David was vicious, y'all. Like, do you remember? You guys did 1 Samuel too, didn't you? Like, David, like, God wouldn't allow David to build the temple. Why? He had too much blood on his hands. God was like, you killed too many people in my name, bro. Like, you can't. That's not going to happen. All right, David was vicious, and this guy Joab just seems to be able to do whatever he wants. I don't know what the, anyway, it's just interesting to me. You guys ever find the Bible interesting? I just ran through a whole bunch of stuff. Oh, I forgot to mention this. I love this part. This is important. We're going to rewind. You guys okay if I rewind a little bit? So right after, right after, David comes back from uh, just mourning Bathsheba and the baby, okay? There's these two things that happen in Scripture. Number one, the baby Solomon is born, which Bathsheba was his mom as well. So it's like God is doing this thing, and the, and the writer of this of Second Samuel is like restoring David back into the position he was in, right? Because now he has a son by Bathsheba that uh, can be king. And number two, it says that, and this is Joab again, being crazy. Joab goes and he takes this city and he sends messengers back to David and he says, hey, if you don't get your out, if you don't come out here, then we're going to, like, I'm going to take this city for me, not for you. This dude's, anyway, so guess what David does? 
he goes out like he just shows up. Hey, Joab, thank you very much for letting me be here and fight with you. Anyway, so he shows up and they take the city. David's there. So two things happen here. I think it's important. I think the writer of this book wants you to understand that David has been restored now in God's eyes as well. Because now where was David supposed to be when he was with Bathsheba? You guys remember? Where was he supposed to be? He was supposed to be at war. So now David's returned to the battlefield. He's returned to the rightful place where he was supposed to be and doing what he's supposed to do, right? So then, fast forward again, back to they just killed Bathsheba. Joab kills that one dude, kills another guy. Anyway, so David gets justice for the uh, Gibeonites. This is important. Somebody say Gibeonites. It's one of my favorite words in the Bible right Gibeonites so he gets justice for the Gibeonites Uh, there's a famine in the land and they go after God and they say God why is there a famine and he's saying because King Saul didn't honor his promise to these people so David goes back and there's a sacrifice made so that these people uh, can be restored back to the position that God had called them to be to and uh, the famine goes away so there's famine there's war there's all this stuff happening, 20 years. You guys remember the Philistines? They got giants. You guys remember that? Okay. So those guys are finally taken care of. All, yeah, that's what I said when I read it. I went, fantastic, no more giants. Who needs that? Six fingers and stuff. Anyway, so they're all killed. They're all gone. All right, David takes care of them this is important because as we look at second uh second samuel chapter 22 you're going to see a line here at the beginning that you need to understand the context of all that has happened here in david's life so all that was in a span of 20 years right david had, had gone through all this and we see up to Bathsheba when he becomes king all the way up to that he has to deal with saul all that that's another 20 something years of David's life. So it's about 40 years now where David's been at war. He's experienced losing a child, right? He's, he's lost wives. He's lost a lot of family. He's been, he's been homeless several times at this point. You guys know what a famine is, right? Right, right. So he's, so he, he's been hungry. He's, he's walked through all these things throughout his life. It's been quite a journey. So now I think what the author is doing here is he's trying to wrap up this book. And, and they do so kind of in an interesting way, in my opinion. So uh, they include this poem. I, I want to read. It's 51 verses. You guys think we can read them all real quick together? Uh, I think you guys are awesome. We're not going to do that. We're just going to read the first seven, okay? So I'm going to ask if you guys wouldn't mind. Let's stand as we read God's word together. We're just going to read the first seven verses of chapter 22 together. It says this, And David spoke to the Lord the words of this song on the day when the Lord delivered him from the hand of all his enemies and from the hand of Saul. He said, The Lord is my rock, and my fortress, and my deliverer, my God, my rock, in whom I take refuge, my shield, 
and the horn of my salvation, my stronghold and my refuge, my Savior, you save me from violence. I call upon the Lord, who is worthy to be praised, and I am saved from my enemies. For the waves of death encompassed me, the torrents of destruction assailed me, the cords of Sheol entangled me, the snares of death confronted me. In my distress, I called upon the Lord, to my God I called. From his temple, he heard my voice, and my cry came to his ears. Let's pray. Father, I thank you so much for your word. I thank you, just Lord, how it can work in our hearts to do and to will what you, what brings you pleasure, Lord. What makes you happy, what glorifies you. So I pray tonight, I pray that you would use your words to do just that. Father, that we would, we would bend and mold our lives around these truths tonight. That our lives would look different because we saw your word tonight for what it was. And we actually chose to live it out. In Jesus' name, amen. You guys can grab a seat. So I think it's interesting. Look at verse 1. It tells us that David spoke, right? He spoke this to God, to the Lord, after the rescue from two different groups of people. You guys see what that is? Do I have the verse up? No, they got something else. Okay, good. You got one, two, three. That's not going to. Anyway, um, uh, he, he, says, he says to two different groups. He says to the enemies, to his enemies, and then he says from the grasp of Saul, from the grasp of Saul from his enemies and the grasp of Saul. I think it really gives us a clue here to why this poem is in this part of this, uh, this book of the Bible here. Uh, the grasp of Saul, that's 1 Samuel stuff, right? You guys remember, that's going way back. Like that's the beginning of David's you know, uh, life, really. A young man running in the desert trying to stay away from Saul who was trying to kill him. All right, that's early on in his life. And, and then this is right before this in chapter 21. We see that the Philistine giants are finally done. Right? They've, been, they've been vanquished at this point. So this is kind of the sun setting now on David's life. Right? We, not, not much happens after this for David. What does happen is not really that exciting. It doesn't go necessarily well for him. But it's really this time where the sun is finally setting on his life. And, and it talks about the grasp of Saul right at the beginning of his life and now coming to an end. All right, so that's 40 years where David has seen God work, where he's seen him move, where he's seen him do things in his life. He's used David to do great things. David has also experienced a ton of loss. Standing in the gap, doing what God had called him to do, he experienced a lot of loss because of his sin in his life and things that he chose to do that went against what God wanted for him in his life. I have 40 years are put into this poem right here. No wonder it's 51 verses, right? Like he's, he's summing it. I just, I just kind of envision in my mind, like this is the... This is the pinnacle work of David. Like all throughout this time, 
He's seen God doing things. How old are you in general? No, just, but think about how old you are. Like you've, you've seen some things, right? You've experienced some things in your life. You've walked through some highs, some lows, some good times, bad times. You've experienced some stuff. And as, as David's reflecting on these things all throughout his life, it just seems like maybe he had like a master whiteboard in the throne room, right? That's what I picture. And he's just writing down these things that he sees God do. And he's just making note, man, I, man, <laughs> little secret, you know, he's writing down, hey, I didn't really, like, I know it was God that killed that giant because I was scared as all get out, right? Like, I mean, he's just... He's just making note of all these things that he saw God do, right? I'm sure he, put, he puts Bathsheba up there and the baby that he lost. And he's going, man, God was with me when I was mourning. God was near me when I was mourning, right? Like he's just kind of making all these notes of all these things that God has done. And then he puts them together just so that he could encapsulate how great God is. From life experience, he has seen God work. And the cool thing is, is God saw fit for him to capture this for us so that we don't have to walk through the same things that David walked through to learn these things about God. You guys hear me in that? Like, I don't know about you, but I would much rather learn a lesson that Jay had a hard time going through, like a hard lesson that Jay learned, I'd rather learn it from Jay than have to go through the bad experience myself. You guys with me in that? Okay, Top Gun. So, like, wait until you get older. You'll say that different. When, when you realize that you're, you only have so many moves, right? Like, you can only, you're only going to get up so many more days, right? That's coming at you, telling you. But I would much rather learn from the experience of others, especially others who have gone through some hard things, so I could extract that knowledge, and I don't have to go through the same hard thing. Right? So David, God has preserved these words for us of who he is and what he's done. David walked through these things, and now we can know, we can walk into these situations in our life. We can walk into different scenarios, and we can know that God has already done it before because he showed up in David's life, because he was faithful there. We can know he'll be faithful still. I think it's like this... Uh, <laughs> You guys, Apple Music people in here, or everybody do Spotify? Okay, I'm just, I'm just, a, I'm just a simple man. I'm just a simple man. But I notice every once, like you'll you'll have those, uh, like uh, artist compilations they'll have, or they'll have like the the artist essentials, right? Or like the deep cuts essentials, like just some of the the hard-hitting stuff that an artist put together that wasn't really mainstream, just kind of sat there, that's like just uh, heartfelt, rigid, kind of has a good beat to it. Anyway, that's just my opinion. But you got this stuff. So I really feel like this song, or uh, it's also Psalm 18, just throwing that out there. But uh, 2 Samuel 22 is like this deep-cut 
thing that has happened in David's life that he's walked through, he's experienced, and then he's writing this out for us so that we can experience it, or so we don't have to experience it the way he experienced it, but we can live in the abundance that God has for us on the other side of it. You follow? And that let's 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 dive in here. He says again here, verse one, and David spoke to the Lord. He spoke to the Lord the words of the song on the day when the Lord delivered him the hand of from all of his enemies. I want to stop. He says, when the Lord delivered him from the hands of his enemies. Now, remember, David was a warrior. He did some things. Like some pretty intense. I mean, he, he killed a couple giants. We know one. But it seems like Scripture may indicate that he killed a couple of these Philistine giants. Right? Bears, lions. This was David's life. He continued to step in the gap when nobody else would, to fight battles that nobody else would. But here, look at who he gives credit to. Not himself. He didn't have any strength on his own. He recognized that it was the Lord. The Lord delivered him from the hand of all his enemies, from the hand of Saul. Then he says this, verse 2. He said, The Lord is my rock and my fortress and my deliverer. There's several things that he mentions here. But I want to I jump down to verse 5. Because we can benefit from David's 40 years of experience. I don't know about you, but look at, look at verse 5. I've experienced some of the things that David is talking about here. I've walked through some of the same things. The waves of depth of death engulf me. You guys ever felt like you were trapped? Like life was hard? Have to carry something that you didn't want to carry? He says, the waves of death engulf me and the torrents of destruction terrified me the ropes of shield entangled me the snares of death confronted me he he's talking about ever he talks he's talking about feeling over your head being paralyzed by fear feeling like you can't get out maybe it's just me that's felt this way sometimes david's talking about the fact there were there were times in his life where all he could see in front of him was it felt like Everybody was out to get him. It was just traps all over the place. Meaning he, like, his, he had several of his sons betray him. You imagine he's having a, con a conversation with somebody that's closest to him, and he's going, it's only a matter of time. They could even be planning right now to want to try and overthrow me. Like, he just... He could have had that outlook on every relationship that he had in his life. He felt that weight at times. He spent years and years and years in caves running away from a man who was trying to kill him for no reason. That's what he's talking about. King David felt that way. I felt that way. But then I want to go back to verse 2. But God was, he says, my rock 
and my fortress and my deliverer. Verse 3, my God, my rock, in whom I take refuge, my shield and the horn of my salvation, my stronghold and my refuge, my Savior. You saved me from violence. He talks about eight different things here. My, he says, my rock, my fortress, my deliverer. This is way too fast. If you guys want notes, I'll give them to you later. My rock, my fortress, my deliverer, my shield. He talks about the horn of salvation. This is, this is the idea, like, on a battlefield, there'll be times where it gets disoriented. I'm sure I've never been on, like, a battlefield like that. It gets disoriented, and everybody's running around, and you don't really know where everything is it's coming from and all that kind of stuff and all of a sudden they would hear a horn on the battlefield and it was the horn of their army it was their people and they were realizing that help was on the way that they weren't by themselves and as they heard that horn get louder and louder and louder they knew that that backup was coming that that their relief was coming that they weren't in the battle alone anymore so David when he describes his God he says my God is the horn of salvation. He's saying, when I'm in the middle and I feel alone and I'm all by myself and I don't have, like I feel like I'm just done. He hears his salvation coming from behind. He hears the horn of his salvation. God saying, I'm coming close. Like I'm right here. Your relief is coming. Just turn to me. Trust me, I'm there. So through all of David's experiences, everything that he walked through in life, he was able to say, nah, Jesus, God, Jesus, yeah, we, that's, anyway. That's like his great, 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 great grandkid, but we ain't got time for that. Okay, he says, God, God came to, like he came through every single time. He showed up every single time. When I turned to him, he was there. The horn of my salvation. He talks about my stronghold, my refuge. Verse 4, I call upon the Lord who is worthy to be praised. I call upon the Lord who is worthy to be praised, and I am saved from my enemies. So the last way he describes him is my Savior here. God used the waves, he used the torrents, he used the ropes and the snares to create a steadfastness in David, which prepared him to live out God's glorious purpose for his life. You guys follow that, right? Like, God's not, God's not putting David through all this just so he could be like, oh, good job, fantastic. That was wonderful. You ready for the next one? That wasn't his intent. God, God used these things. That the Bible tells us in Romans, y'all's favorite book, right? Right? It says, it says that God takes all things and works them together for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purpose. So God takes these things, these, these hard times, these trials and struggles and he turns them into these moments of gratitude right david could have easily just had this long list of junk that he had to go through in life and he could have been like okay let me write this poem 
My son tried to kill me. My other son tried to kill me. Had another son try to kill me. I lost a son. Had some people killed. Yada, yada, yada. It, w- it went bad for me. I lived through famine. I had to live in caves for years and years and years out of my life. He could have just wrote this all down. He could have been like, yeah, and God was there somewhere. No, he, he, cho- he chooses here to be filled with gratitude on the fact that God brought him through every single time. Like he's sitting here at the sunset of his life and he's going, all that was hard, but God's been good. So you guys are sitting here and you're a little bit younger than I am. Un poquito. Anyway, just a little bit. A little bit younger. But I know that you guys have walked through some things. I recognize that. I recognize that it's not always easy. David talks here about God being his savior. If you go back to to verse 1, David expresses gratitude instead of complaints. You notice he credits the rescuing coming from the Lord. But maybe you're here tonight and you're realizing that you need a rescue. Have you ever called on God to rescue you? That's, that's what I see here about David's life. Like he doesn't just sit there and go, oh man, just throw a pity party about things that were going on in his life. I mean, sometimes we see him do it for a little bit. But the Bible says that he would turn his eyes back to the Lord. That he was a man that was after God's own heart. That he was a guy who was able to see, hey, you know what? The problem is, the problem is I need a rescue. And he recognized the fact that God was the only one who could do that. I pray tonight that you're sitting here and you're recognizing the fact that God is the only one who can rescue you. Like he's the only one that's going to be able to pull you out of the situations that you find yourself in right now. Like the the best advice that I could give you is stop trying to get yourself out because you're only going to dig yourself deeper. It's going to get harder. And you're going to find yourself in a bigger mess than you were before. You need a rescue. The reason why we need a rescue is because just like David, we've all chose to go our own way. We've all chose sin over God. We've chose to do what we thought was right in our own eyes. We've tried to fix things on our own, in our own way, and it's put us in a situation where we need somebody to rescue us. We need somebody outside of our own selves to pull us up out of the mud and the mire that we found ourselves in. What I love about Jesus, Jesus who is God in the flesh, this God, this Lord that he says was his rescuer, came in the flesh and rescues us from our biggest problem. Not from a bad day. Not everybody hates me. I mean that too. 
But our biggest problem, that's our own selves. That's the sin that exists in our own hearts that constantly causes us to turn from God and the ways that he has for us. But when Jesus died for us, he made things right between us and God. He came back to life to show victory over it. And all we have to do is put our faith and trust in what he did. And we can experience the rescue that God has for us. That's all it is. So if you're here tonight and you've never asked God to rescue you, to save you of your sin, don't, don't leave here. Don't leave here without asking the, the questions that you need to ask. Don't, if, if you're ready now, just tell them. Say, God, I'm ready to trust you as my Lord and Savior. There's not a magic prayer that makes it happen. It's the, the Bible says, it's Romans 10, 9, that if we confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord and we believe in our heart that God raised him from the dead, we can be saved. It's confession and belief, turning from where we were and trusting in him. That's it. You can do that right now where you sit. Is there anybody here tonight that you're going, man, I, I want to put my faith in Jesus Christ. I haven't done that yet, but I want tonight to be the night that I put my faith in him. I know people are looking around. That's okay. That's okay. This is between you and God, but we'd love to celebrate with you. Is there anybody in here tonight that you're saying for the first time, you're saying, yeah, I want to trust Christ. I want him to rescue me. Give you opportunity. It's about to go away. Okay, all y'all saved then, I'm assuming. Nah. Unfortunately, numbers don't. Anyway, but I pray that if you're here tonight and you're still dealing with that, that you would find somebody, that you would talk to them about that, that you would try and get some questions answered. Because the worst thing to happen would be for you guys to leave tonight and not, may, not have that solidified in your heart. Because who knows what tomorrow brings? Who knows what the next hour brings? It's worth figuring out. And some of you in here, you've already, you, you've trusted Christ to rescue you. You've put your faith and trust in him. You've said, yeah, I, I believe in him. But you're finding yourself in this pit again. And you're going, God, I don't, I've trusted you. Why, why does it, thing, things don't add up. It's not making sense. I feel like I'm carrying a weight that I'm not supposed to carry. That was a lot of David's life as he's going, man, I don't, why am I carrying all this? Remember what David said about, G, about God. He was his fortress. He was his refuge. He was his shield. I heard it. Stay with me. He was his fortress and his shield. Are you, are you running to God to be those things in your life? Or are you trying to fix junk by yourself? That's not wise. The Bible says over and over and over again, when you're struggling, lean in, don't lean out. But what do we, what do, we do when we're struggling in our lives? What's the first thing we start doing? If, if it's just me, 
wow. But what the first thing we do is we disconnect. Am I right? All the, all the good influences in our life, everybody that would help us, everybody that wants what's best for us, we disconnect with them. I know you don't believe it, but like you won't talk to your parents, right, who love you and they want what's best for you. I promise they don't want what's worse for you because that stinks as a parent. I'm just throwing that out there. When you're upset and not happy about how things are going, like that stinks for me too because you're kind of hard to deal with. Not my kids. You, you guys hear me in that, though? You start to disconnect. And all your friends, like, you stop showing up for things that are important, like church, like this type of stuff. You stop showing up. You're not participating in the group text anymore because all those people are annoying anyways, and they don't even really know what I'm going through. Yeah, they don't know what you're going through because you don't tell them. And you're sitting here trying to walk through all this stuff all by yourself. He's our shield. He's our fortress. We run to him. We don't run away. We run to the people who are going to help us be able to walk with him. We confess our sins to each other so that we might experience freedom. You may be here tonight and you, you need this rescue from God like you're just struggling so bad. And the last thing you're going to do is share that with your small group leader in a couple minutes because good night, man, they're going to judge you, aren't they? They're going to come at you. And they're going to ask you questions. And there's other people in the room. And they don't really like to hang out long anyway. Like, they don't want to have just a one-on-one -on -one conversation with me or maybe one or two people. Like, they don't want to do that afterwards. You start lying to yourself, and you're creating all these stories that are untrue. They have a ton of other things they could do right now. Some of them have families that they've sacrificed that time to be here with you tonight. You know why? Because they're so excited to be part of that rescue plan that God's working in your life right now. To be able to be a part of that. But no, just keep doing things the way that you've been doing them and think that you're going to get different results. Good job. You guys hear me in that? I say it because I love you. Like, I know, dang, this dude is. I know Mike gets rougher anyway, so it's all good. <laughs> That's a good question to ask right now, bro. Anyway, he's like, yeah, I guess I didn't go short enough. You, you, guys, you guys hear me in this tonight. I mean, if you keep reading if you keep reading through this, and I hope that in your groups you guys spend a little bit more time, because there's 51 verses. Did I tell you that? And I was ready to go through all 51 tonight. I don't even know what I was thinking, okay? Like, I, I hope you spend some time going through those verses in your small groups, because this is what you're going to find. You're going to find a God that keeps showing up for David. And he's willing to keep showing up for you. David wasn't anything special. He was a shepherd boy that when God asked him to do something, he did it. Most of the time. <laughs> you guys hear me in that? 
He was a guy who when God asked him to do something, he did it. You could do that. There's no reason you can't do that as well. But he's, all these things we see about who God is in this passage of Scripture, David had experienced it. He had walked through it. And not only that, this is, this is it. I want you guys to see this as you look through these passages. It reveals a lot about who David is. And I also think some of the problem here and in, in, in what we're walking through in our own lives is we're not willing to say what God says about who we are. And we walk around all defeated all the time because we're not willing to uh, live out the things that God has called us to do because it looks different than the rest of the people that are around us. God is pretty amazing. Like He's done some stuff in my life. I'm amazed as well. I'm writing them down on whiteboards as well because I want a poem written, written for me you know, to, when it's my sunset, right? Like, I mean, that'd be awesome. Like, he showed up. And what's beautiful about that is in the midst of that, he continues to show me who I am with him in me. The person that he's changing and molding and making me into, it's pretty amazing. It's pretty amazing. And by the way, he's doing that in you as well. We just got to be open to letting God do what he wants to do.